You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 150. Today, I'm sitting down with Chris Little, and we're talking all about the personal side of training. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson, former fitness manager turned online personal training business owner. And this podcast is where smart fitness professionals, including trainers and clinicians, discover how to increase client performance in movement, package and position their products and services and get out of their own way so that they can increase their revenue to live a life that they love without sleazy sales. Welcome to the PT Profit Podcast. What's up, coach? Thank you for joining me in another episode of the PT Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Simpson, and I'm super pumped to bring this episode to you today. If this is your first time hanging out with me, thank you so much for pushing play. I'm super excited because today I have Chris Little, who is a personal trainer and online coach based out of Edmond, Alberta in Canada. And he is a online coach with 18 fitness creative director with me, social media contractor and host of the lifestyle chat taste podcast. So this is something I'm really excited to bring to you because, well, for a couple of reasons, and honestly, I don't even know if he knows this, but one of my favorite things about Chris is that his uh, uncanny ability to be, and I do share this inside the, the podcast, but his uncanny ability to be personal and to, to really share his journey and his vulnerability as well as connect with people. And I was listening to a really powerful podcast or a live stream, I should say all about how we often hear the words business isn't personal, but you're running a personal training business. And so the more personal you can be, this might actually help you. So now this is not at any cost, of course, right? We, we're always talking about the pendulum. We're always talking about, you know, one side of the extreme. So this is not, you know, a sacrifice of your boundaries, but I'm speaking it more in terms of, that we tend to, when we run a business, we tend to be very transactional instead of personal. And we forget that there are souls on the other side of the transaction. And the truth about me is that oftentimes when I get very clinical and I get very into performance and I'm really looking at data, I am data-driven, I can sometimes be transactional. And so that doesn't mean I don't have a cart. Doesn't mean I don't care. Of course I care. Nobody who works with me, nobody that that listens to my podcast or spends time with me would even remotely say I don't care. I what keeps me up at night is the success of the successes of my clients and my students. And I ask myself and I lay awake at night thinking, how can I serve them better? So it's not that I don't care. It's just that I can get very very singular focus. And I can be sometimes have been perceived to be transactional. And so I was drawn to the opposite side of, of that spectrum. And which is what brought me to connect with Chris and bring Chris onto the team, because he has a very incredible ability to bring the personal side of things, the, the human connection and can create those types of relationships. The truth is I can't be more excited. So 
I'll share a couple of things that he shared inside of his questionnaire that he's so amazingly put together for me. But um, he is introverted, shows up extroverted on social media, and he's got an arts background, which does not surprise me because so do I. He was an improv club in junior high and a drummer since seventh grade and acted in a, di- in a dinner theater once when he was 18 as a handyman in a show called Squabbles. That is so amazing. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, let's go ahead and roll that interview so that you can get firsthand the sense that I had when I first spoke to Chris. What's up, Chris? Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How are you doing? I'm good, Beverly. Um, honestly, I'm honored to be on the show. I'm, I'm super pumped. There's been a lot of past guests that I've listened to that I've really enjoyed. So uh, I'm just looking forward to having the conversation today. Oh, I love that, Chris. This is going to be so good. I'm super pumped. So for those of you who have not had the pleasure of working with Chris, listening from Chris, I'd love for you to share a little bit about who you are, who you serve and how you got there. The cool thing with uh, just my my bio and my about me is that every three months it evolves, it changes. And I've learned to uh, just sort of be short and sweet about it. So the best way to sort of put it all together is that uh, I coach people in person. I coach people online in uh, the US and in Canada. I do a lot of social media contracting. I do some podcast production and uh, I'm just working to to build up some momentum in my career and uh, do things that I'm passionate about. And that basically summarizes uh, what I'm all about. I love that. So how'd you get into training? Uh, it all started out when I first began in the fitness industry. I was actually working for a fitness magazine here in Edmonton. I was doing that on the side, um, outside of working at a warehouse. So it was kind of like a, a part-time commission-based job. And what I really wanted to do was get into spin instructing because that was kind of what uh, changed the flow of, of my life. Like that's, that's where I got inspired to make changes in my own uh, well-being. And that's where I was able to overcome a lot of stress, but throughout that pursuit, I just had to like take any opportunity that I could. Um, If anybody listening has ever tried to be a spin instructor at some of the boutique studios that are out there, it can be pretty competitive and uh, it's not always easy to kind of get that opportunity Um, throughout that journey. I was like, well, why don't I just control what I can control? Like if I can't be a spin instructor, why don't I just get my training certification? Um, during that time, I actually, it was, it was a funny chain of events because when I commenced getting my training certification, I actually got an opportunity to be a spin instructor. And I was <laughs> always, still, right? It's just funny how it works out like that. Okay. Always. <laughs> and I was still working uh, for the fitness magazine. So at one point early in my career, I was doing full-time hours as like a warehouse operations person. I was doing uh, part-time hours uh, for the fitness magazine, basically selling advertising for social media and print. And I was doing uh, three full-time courses online through one of the local schools for training and doing the uh, homework for one of my certifications that I did, just kind of like a weekend certification and spin instructing at 6 a.m. I was like the 6 a.m. guy and eventually (laughs) got to a point where I was like, okay, it's time. And without really a backup plan, I, I left the warehouse job and I was like, I'm just whatever it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to be in the industry. And it kind of just 
brick by brick it layered on it it was kind of like a, a bumpy road um but i've i've definitely uh gotten a lot of momentum in the time that's uh, passed since I love that. Okay. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more, if you don't mind, uh, share a little bit more about your journey in terms of, you said, this is something that like really helped you. So I'm curious if you wouldn't mind giving us a picture of what it was like before you got into fitness and after. And then my second part question, I always do this. People are like, Beverly, stop it, but I'll lose it if I don't, if I don't ask it. So the second part I wanted to ask you was that I feel like a lot of trainers will get into this habit of, okay, I got one certification. That's it. One and done. What inspired you to continue to sharpen the saw and continue to learn and grow? Awesome. This will be fun. And I hope that I remember both parts of the question. So I answered them both. So the, the first piece was honestly like the, the place that I was at in my life when I was starting to notice the benefits of fitness and the change in routine. Um, I was, I would best describe it as complacency kind of feeling like you, you had met the, the marker for where you needed to be at your life. Um, I think I was like 24 or 25 years old or something like that. Um, I was in a relationship. I was happy with my income. I could just do things that I wanted to do, go on trips. And I was like, yep, checking all the boxes. But, uh, something that I would notice in myself is that like in times of stress or in times of anxiousness, I would just kind of like bottle it up. I wouldn't have a way to deal with it head on. So whether that would be the stress in home ownership or the stress in just social situations or the stress in workplace stuff, um, it would just, it would almost be crippling, like anxiety kind of thing. And it got to the point where it's tough to know, but like at, at some point the, the relationship came to an end, the, the stress with like work or the stress with home ownership escalated. And it was like a tipping point where I knew that I had to take control. Um, and my exposure to the spin class wasn't because I was going, Oh yeah, I'm like a spin class kind of guy. It was because like, uh, in that past relationship, I had been brought along to some classes and I was able to see firsthand, like the impact that that experience had on me, which, uh, was very insightful. It was just like, it kind of takes you into this mode where it's like, okay, everything shuts off uh, reset button. And now you can build up, build up, build up. And it was just like, it encapsulated the, uh, the concept of like, like the compound effect or compound interest through your fitness. And through that experience, I started to realize like, uh, these things that used to be like big demons for me, aren't even that bad. Like I can, I can take it and I can deal with it day by day and overcome it and strengthen myself. Um, and so that's kind of what got me wanting to be doing that for other people. I think by nature, I'm, I'm someone who wants to help people in as many ways that I possibly can, whether that's in fitness or otherwise. And when I realized how empowering it was and how much of a relief it was to feel like that, uh, confidence, um, having that happen made me want to do that for other people. And I was just going to do it no matter what it took. And to hop over to that next part of that question, we talk about, uh, the value in certifications. Um, I would have to say the first thing that really made me, uh, just kind of level into how important that was, 
was feeling like I was dumb. <laughs> so uh, starting my career, I started alongside a lot of really talented individuals. And I would have to say, like, I was insecure in the sense that I felt like I was the dumbest person in the room. And because of how hard I worked to even just get my start in the industry, like I, I had to just get creative in what I did. Um, it made me pretty hungry to get smarter as fast as I could. So like the, after I got certified just so I could get a job, I went and I got another certification. It was the CFSC, the Mike Boyle one. Mm, I have um, that one. And like, it, it's such a, a good one, just in the sense that it kind of gives you a foundation to build onto. Like, it's not necessarily like a person's one ticket, but it's like, it's something that gives you sort of some direction and how to program for people and just like some novelty. One of my favorite things about that certification at that time specifically, now this was, I don't know. I mean, I've been in the industry now for 10 years, but at that time there wasn't a lot of practical application. So -hmm. there were still so many certifications that were learned by, you know, we read a cert or we read a book and then we go get tested. No one learns how to swim without getting in the water. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that, that sort of encapsulates everything that I valued in that certification, because like to, to give people a snapshot, the first certification that got me working was, uh, it was called the CanFit Pro certification. Um, and it's a great way for people to get started, but, uh, what it was, was very textbook based. And so there wasn't as much opportunity for, uh, just practical application of it. Um, so when I got that, uh, certification and I got to working with clients, I still felt like there was room to learn more. And then when I was studying for the CFSC one, um, it was pretty intense and just like having to demonstrate in the practical as part of the certification, uh, was, was much more intimidating than just like the, the tricky worded questions for the initial one. Um, And then building on from there, it was just like the environment that I was in with the first gym I was at, I had the opportunity to essentially uh, get like, uh, it was like an internship to start with, like a paid internship. So I was kind of under the the leadership of other trainers. And uh, from, from there, I kind of just stayed under the wing of, of friends. Um, I know that Dean Guido kind of guided me to, to make a lot of decisions as to who, who I learned from. And that's kind of what led me to Kyle Dobbs, which is how I came across you. And it's just, it's been like this string of connection to connection, to connection, to connection. Um, and I would have to say everything kind of started with my, my friends, uh, Dean Guido and Andrew Coates, and they're both based in Edmonton and they both been uh, part of my career since the beginning. I love that. And what I love now about the internet and one of the things like, of course, just like everything, there's going to be a double-edged sword to everything, you know, the law of polarity. So, but one of the good things about social media is this, we're all now interconnected and it's so easy for us to find really high level professionals and learn from people all over the world. We just have to be discerning in who we learn from and, you know, the connections that we make, which I just think is so powerful and really what separates the coaches apart from the ones who continue to struggle. 
is that hunger to learn and desire, which comes from wanting to help people, which I feel like so many people miss. Absolutely. I mean, when you talk about the kind of discerning who you're going to learn from, one thing that I've found to be front and center for me is kind of uh, sort of learning how people are as humans. Like that's, that's a big piece for me. Like it, I could find someone who's like really book smart, but if they're not like people smart, um, it's going to probably deter me from, from wanting to learn their information. Um, and oftentimes the way that I find the people that I want to learn from, whether it's like a mentorship or a product is I'll just go and uh, binge listen to podcasts. Like, uh, and especially as a podcast host myself, I've had the opportunity to really like see firsthand how different people are. I've been able to really connect with people and get to know them on another level. Cause I'm able to ask them like really meaningful questions and even just like seeing uh, how people react when, when somebody in the industry um, goes through something tough. And I think like our kind of like circle of people that we all know mutually um, little moments like that, where we, uh, we help others out are, are what bring people together, like from, a, from a value standpoint. And it's just, it's neat to see. And I think that's very important in the fitness industry, even though it might kind of come off as like fluffy rainbow cloud stuff. <laughs> or stuff that doesn't matter, but that's actually some of the, you know, that's actually some of the work that you do that I find really inspiring. And I think, and I know that it helps a lot of fitness people because so many fitness people will get stuck in that trap of, I just have to post a ton of workouts and my mindset tips and my nutrition tips. But no one ever says, you know what my favorite book is? The encyclopedia said no one ever. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet that's how so many fitness professionals put out, you know, present their content. But what you are able to do is highlight the human beingness of trainers, which I feel like gets missed a lot. People just expect them to be robots and forget that or people to having human experiences. And you've figured out how to add a layer of vulnerability without being vulnerable for the sake of it. You're not processing on the outside, but you're inviting and, and allowing people to have a human experience, which I think is actually really hard and nuanced and challenging for people to do. I know it is it's, for me. It's definitely very tricky. Like uh, a, a truth that I've come to terms with is a person that might not have the most life experience uh, in the fitness industry is going to probably run far away from like all of my content because I, I don't just put out just like the exercise <laughs> science stuff. Like um, it, it's just going to be something where they think that what I am doing is not going to pay off. But like where the tables turn for me is that uh, one of my superpowers at this point is connecting. Like I, I can connect with other industry professionals and figure out how we can like leverage each other's skills and build each other up. And that's like, that's the, the ticket for me is like, rather than finding ways to pull people down, I want to find ways to bring people up. Um, and the other thing is just like the approachability in the online space, uh, for having an account the size of mine, like I've had a lot of success with having new clients just through my Instagram account, like just putting up a post and just having people feel like uh, it's something that they're looking for. And uh, 
most of my newest in-person clients have been uh, complete strangers until we got to meet through Instagram, which is pretty cool. I love that. That's one of my favorite things about the internet. I have met so many amazing people through the internet and that has been such a gift, especially during this time of, of lack of connection. I think it's been, I think it's been imperative. So the other thing too, I'm curious that I feel like you do in your content really well, which I feel like a lot of coaches struggle with is that you're able to connect with the actual client instead of colleagues. So mm-hmm. you have taken so many certifications. I know you care about the science of training and yet you have managed to communicate in a way that speaks to clients and not just to colleagues. How, how would you say you've been able to do that? So I like Instagram, social media can bring people into a space where they feel very insecure, like just out of the gates, like where they have to prove themselves to somebody else. And I would have to say in like the first couple of years of my career, uh, that was very prominent for me. And like you post something and maybe it comes off as stupid and you lose some followers and just kind of like shuts you down, slows you down. Um, And then you become hesitant to create content. And what happened for me is when I focused on like fostering those connections in, in real time, like just through DMS and through um, being able to talk to people on video calls that I knew that uh, no matter what I posted, I'd still have like a strong connection with like mentors and friends in the industry. And that going forward, none of my content had to be for them. And then it was just, when I looked at it that way, then I was like, okay, who is my content for? And I was like, well, it's primarily like if I go through something that's, that's exciting, then I'm going to, to express that because people want to see people happy. And then the other point is like, what was it that got me started in fitness? Was it the people that were saying how you do a squat or was it the people that said, this is how you literally, how you book a consult with me, or this is the book that I like, or this is, uh, what a training session looks like. And so I just, uh, I would say over the last year or so, I've really tried to leverage the approachability factor um, and caring about things that matter to people. Like there's all kinds of holidays that we're celebrating. There's charities that we're doing. There's all these things that, uh, that if a trainer pays attention to them, that means a lot to a person. Cause it's like, it goes back to that whole thing of like people, people, remember how you treat them uh, they remember how you make them feel and that that's a big one for me so it's just like whether it's uh there there's so many times when somebody was just really struggling to find a routine for their fitness and i sent them like a, a whole bunch of youtube videos and i was like hey this will get you started and then i'm going to be here for you when you need it but i just want to make sure that you're not left hanging there's been times when like clients have had a family emergency that had to leave the country and I've just sent them a PDF workout. And these are the things that I do to make sure that people know that I see them and that I care about them. And then, yeah, just kind of after a long time of that, it adds up. And I try to just uh, be consistent year over year with like what matters to me and how I show up in the world and knowing that it's like, I'm not going to be the Instagram account that uh, gets 10,000 followers right away. I'm going to be the Instagram account. That's uh, when I need like groceries, like 30 of my followers and friends are, are going to be there to, to help me out. Um, and so it's just like the, the foresight to know that we're not going to get validated 
through our content necessarily. Um, but it can be extremely powerful if we do it with the right intentions to, to do what we came into the industry to do, not to uh, show up somebody else, but to be like, okay, this is going to be helpful for this amount of people. And this is why I'm putting it out. Oh, absolutely. And I think that you just hit the nail on the head. And I think it's one of the things that I see when people are transitioning in their growth and as they're expanding, going from like their first 10K months to multiple, you know, multiple six figures is that transition right there where they go from worrying and being concerned about what are other people going to think about me and step into who can I serve today? How can I serve them? And it doesn't matter what the popularity metrics are going to be. And it matters matters more the conversion conversation connection conversations and pieces that are going to be available to me once I step into this place of service I think that that is that's the key right there well absolutely like I mean when we're looking at our content and at the analytics a lot of times um, the people who you the people who are your prospective clients the people who want your help don't necessarily press that like button um, they don't I'm so glad you said that because that is so true. My least engaged posts are the ones that have the most conversions. And I know this because they DM me and say, I just read this post and this is me. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. Cause like you could look at it and you might even see in that instance that they literally did not like it, but they looked at it and they read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, just sometimes people will screenshot a post and they'll save it in like their bookmarks or something. Like people have a different way to um, build their empire. And unless we are intuitive enough to know like the, the big picture uh, we're missing out on opportunities to, to build momentum in like our pursuit towards our goals. And it's just like, the only way I've learned that is through experience and repetition, um, just in having to understand that, like, I might not have this person work with this year, but if I stay consistent and if I stick to my values, I'll probably work with them two years from now. And it could be in a remote capacity or an in-person capacity and always just like making sure that it's not like a rush, like, being that these people are still in your community, um, they will support you and is probably going to be when they're ready. And if you are consistent in your approach with them and if they know that they can count on you, they'll be that much more ready later. Whereas sometimes people get in this like anxious mindset where they're like, okay, everybody come into my program now or everybody do this now. Um, sometimes they can almost like uh, scare people off because, oh, well, I, I, can't do it now, but I want to do it later. If that makes sense, kind of rambled a bit there. No, you didn't. It makes perfect sense. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I always talk about in terms of how everything is energy, right? So when you are, it, it's like, I use the analogy of going into the bar when you're in, when you're in the bar, no one wants to be that desperate person. Like, let me buy you a drink. Let me buy you a drink. Let me buy you a drink. But if you are that magnetic human, that's like, Hey, connection first service first, can I buy you a drink? Then it doesn't, it doesn't seem it's just a different energy. And that really ultimately comes down to your decision, your intention. 
right? Now, one quick caveat here. We can't have this conversation without looking at our relationship to selling. So this is does not mean that selling is bad or selling is not a service. You can also step into that and still present and invite people to come into your world and ask them when they're ready, as opposed to being urgent and desperate, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, no, it's super clear. Like, I mean, uh, being able to articulate ourselves and being able to storytell what it is we do and what role we have in people's lives makes that a very like smooth conversation in the sense that uh, just like when your plumber comes in to do work, that plumber tells you the scope of their work and how much it costs. And you're like, yeah, I need that work. And then you sign the invoice or whatever. It's it's no different with uh, the service industry of, of fitness and wellness. We have services we provide. We are able to um, illustrate what that includes and how much it costs and what what uh, times they'll hear from us or when what they'll use the app, et cetera, et cetera. And it just the more organized and structured we are with our end of things, the more clear it is for other people. And people don't know what we sell unless we're able to tell them. And then they don't know, like, it's just that that's a big piece to the puzzle. It's been very helpful for me. I can still be my authentic self on a consultation call. And uh, if you're confident about what you're doing and after like growing and building and getting momentum and working really hard, I, I am quite confident. If you're confident, it doesn't feel like a sales call. It just kind of feels like uh like a handshake, like, let's go, let's do this. Let's get on the rocket ship and go to the moon. (laughs) So true. I love it. And so now I'd love for you, you know, this is a great segue because I'm curious, you know, I personally think that confidence comes with competence. So how are the way, you know, what are some of the ways that you would recommend to someone who's new, right? So that's so easy to say. It's things that we double tap and we like on Instagram, but if you're brand new, how can you acquire those competent skills? Like, what would you say if you were starting over today as a trainer, what would be some of the first things that you would do? So I, my approach and the reason why I have found the wins that I've found in the industry so far, is because I'm not afraid of failing. I'm not afraid of like making mistakes. I'm not afraid of having to start over. Um, Like I've had to rebuild like my client base based on gym moves, based on gym closures, based on COVID. I've tried things and they didn't work. So I had to try something else. And the more bandwidth that we have to get back up again, the more capacity we have to be very in tune to what it is we do, what it is we bring, what direction we want to go and why we come with the value that we come with. Like for myself, um, the, the toll of having to work so hard has brought with it an unwavering understanding of like, this is what my hourly rate is, or this is what my monthly rate is. And it's just, um, I know that I can change a person's life and, or I know that I can provide a service that is going to be incredibly meaningful for them. And you wouldn't be able to have that emotion if you hadn't fallen down countless times, if you hadn't had to pivot, if you didn't have to hear people's feedback, like there's been plenty of feedback where I've heard that I was a very green trainer. I didn't look like a trainer, all these things. And it's just like, build yourself up, uh, look for people, look for the helpers in the industry. There, there are a lot. 
Um, but you're not going to see them if you're not approaching it the right way. If you're not in an abundance mindset, looking to learn and grow, um, they're going to be hard to find, but if you are, they're going to be everywhere. You're going to, you're going to find them in the podcast you listen to. You're going to find them in the interactions you have on Instagram. You're going to find that uh, you'll just connect with them abundantly. And that was a big turning point for me in 2020 is like, I made so many connections in, in the industry because I was looking for them. I was looking to learn. I was looking to grow. I was looking to connect and find people that I could lean on for the emotional hardships and all the different things. And uh, so hopefully people are kind of, latching on to some of the the cookie crumbs there for like how to really foster that confidence. Yeah, that's so, that's so good. So I'd also love for you to share a little bit about, you know, you know, what are some of the educational, how, how are you discerning? Cause it is true that there is so much information and sometimes it can be really conflicting. And so if you're new, how do you discern what, what is valuable to you and what to release and bless, but no, it's not for you. Mm -hmm. So I need to focus on my client base first and foremost. I find that sometimes we'll overthink like what we need for like a mentorship or a certification because it mirrors what our desires are or because our colleague got it. Like maybe five of our colleagues got a certain certification. It came with a cool book or a cool piece of paper. And we're like, okay, well, I better get that too. But then if it wasn't going to help your client get through an obstacle, is it really valuable or is it not? And like a quick example is like for a trainer to get like a nutrition certification just so they can talk about like protein in like a coaching call. Like they're not doing meal plans. They're not going out of scope, but they're able to add a layer of like nuance to the nutrition side of things to give people a better understanding of like what macronutrients are so that they can go on their own and uh, make better choices. Um, and then the other thing that's especially important in the online space is getting a strong understanding of the communication style and the delivery of content. Uh, because if like the material might be great, but are you actually going to go on the coaching call or are you actually going to look at the, the material? Like a lot of people buy books and then they don't read them where they buy a mentorship and they don't go to a single coaching call. And like, for, for most of the mentorships I've gone on, like I've gone to the live coaching call, every single one of them, because it's given me an opportunity to network with other like-minded professionals. It's given me an opportunity to ask questions in the moment. Um, and then for the times that I've been too busy, uh, I just make sure I watch every recording and I almost like what I do. And this is just a me thing is every time I'm doing stuff, I try to tag the people involved in it and it's more so to hold me accountable um, so that they know I'm out there grinding, I'm, I'm working through it. I'm going to watch that stuff. And then, uh, it's also a way to stay connected with these people that, uh, teach me things and stuff. So it's comes down to two things, being able to assess like your business needs. Like, do you need a stronger understanding of how to like map out your sessions or do you need a stronger understanding of like biomechanics or how the body works or how to cue a squat, and then um, being able to figure out to which way do you learn best and which personality um, is going to bring you into learning from them the most. Like person personalities matter. If somebody is just a, a dry speaker and they just do not have anything that uh, 
intrigues you or leaves you wanting to come back, um, you're just going to pay money for something and then never make use of it. So it's important. And I love that you said that because it's such a good thing because I think so many people get tripped up with why me when someone else could be doing it? What do I have to offer when there's someone else already ahead of me? Which is just, I I totally get it. I empathize. I've been there. I've been there recently, even at multiple six figures, I get there too, right? I think that it's important to remember that because personalities matter, there's plenty for everyone. It's a good thing because- you're going to resonate with your people just as that, whoever, whatever other coach is going to resonate with their people. And it's just demonstrates that there is a room for everyone, which I love. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, taking the abundance mindset approach in all things is never going to hold a person back. Like I think sometimes people are thinking, well, I can do the abundance mindset for a period of time, but then I need to just like be cutthroat and cut people off and like just, it gets that way. And we're, nobody's perfect. So we're all going to fall into these cycles of like insecurity and then confidence and insecurity and confidence. But at the end of the day, if we are positioning ourselves to be looking for the strengths in others, it means that as a self-aware person, we have taken care of ourselves to know what we bring to the table, which is going to help us with our sales calls, which is going to help us with our day-to-day, which is going to help us with positioning ourselves for opportunities going forward. Um, so the more often you keep yourself in that abundance mindset, uh, the more good things are going to happen for you. Like recently, I, I heard somebody talking about how sometimes people get uh, described as being just like somebody that's lucky, like somebody that uh, they just get all the breaks but uh, it's because of the, the work that they've done consistently to position themselves in opportunities uh, to get things to happen. It's because they're consistently making content or because they're consistently talking to people or consistently putting their best foot forward, even if it doesn't look flawless every day. Sometimes we get kind of worried that we can't put out a piece of content because it doesn't look perfect. But that could mean we don't put out any content and we scrap half of our day scratching our head, trying to wonder how we're going to make this thing perfect. And we miss out on an opportunity to get in a rep. Oh, and that's so important. I love that you said that, right? You just let it be messy. Let it get in the rep so that you can learn, you know? And I also think too, is that, one of the things that I think so many people get stuck on, and this is across all industries, it doesn't matter what industry you're on, is that that drive and that need to try and get it right or try to get it perfect. However, that whatever you're saying in your mind, that will cause you to take more time to decide. And people will get stuck in indecision, not recognizing that indecision is also actually a decision and a choice. And when you can step into this place of trusting yourself a hundred percent, knowing that you always make the right choice, because you're going to get an outcome, whether it's what you want, the lesson that the success that you want or the lesson that you need, you're going to get it. So when you can step into that, you'll get the rep faster. Well, I mean, a quick visual that might help some people, and I've seen a lot of uh, those visuals going around on Instagram, but essentially if we look at it as like a one to 1000 ramp and one is like at the bottom here and it's just a little speck and 1000 is like a tall stick 
um, in order to like, there's nothing that we can do to make it like go up right away, no matter what it's going to be this, like fairly, like the average of our outcomes is going to be fairly consistently upward. Um, and in order to make that happen, we have to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, up to 1000. So whether that 500 is flawless or whether it is flawed, um, we're not going to get to 501 without that 500. So it's deeply meaningful, even if it's at our 50%. Um, and it's just something that has made it very easy for me to comprehend is in my podcast. Like, I think I've probably published somewhere. There's some episodes I've taken down because they're the short segment ones, but in total, I probably published like 300 episodes or more. I think I've interviewed like 220 different guests. Um, and I've had Jordan Syed on the show a few times. And oftentimes we'll talk about like the long game and being able to uh, really focus on just keeping at it. Uh, because like he'll be very open in what it's taken for him to get to his point in his career. And it's been a lot of repetitions. And so I think the first time he was on the show, it was like my episode 100 or something or like somewhere in that maybe episode 80. And then he came back and it was probably like episode 201 or something like that. And so we had this discussion that I would probably see him again when I get to episode 1000 and probably a few times in between there. And it's just having the understanding to know that uh, there's no ifs, ands or buts as to you having to get to that 1000 or 10,000 or 20,000 with your reps. But the one thing that you do have control is the cadence or the tempo. And that's where it gets exciting. If you have a work ethic and like the boundaries to do what you need to do to succeed, you don't have to wait forever. You can kind of expedite the process, but you get out what you put in. Um, and if you're tired of making mistakes, build your network to have people to help you be better a little bit faster. That's the value of the mentorships. That's the value of staying connected. That's the value of having like meaningful conversations with people that help you face adversity in this industry. I love that. And that's powerful. And I am curious. I'd love for you to unpack a little bit more about what do you mean when you say mistakes? What would you identify as a mistake? So like from a micro level, like in a middle of a training session, I would say those moments when we have a plan in our head of what that training session is going to be. And we start it through with the client and they're starting to show like body language that they're not having a good time, but we're like, Oh no, I need to do these uh, pails and rails, or I need to do these hip cars because that's what uh, my, my role model taught me to do, or that's what uh, the, the gym owner taught me to do. And we're just kind of stuck on that train of thought and we're forgetting what, what the big picture is like, we're forgetting, like we are here to service this client. And if they don't want to do pails and rails, they don't have to do pails and rails. They can do a goblet squat and hold it at the bottom for 30 seconds. They can do so many other things. That's what I would define as like being like a, a mistake from like the level of uh, just a one hour instance. Like what, what can we change within 60 minutes of our career that could have a meaningful impact. And like, I just, I would learn that through um, just, how people felt leaving a session when you can actually own up to the fact that they could have had a better time. And then it was just being more receptive to their feedback, their body cues um, with uh, remote coaching. That's why I love video calls because you can pay attention to their body language, their eye contact, the tone of their voice. Um, 
how like if the if they're speaking with a higher pitch or a lower pitch, background noises, all these different nuances that can create stronger retention. Um, and it just it works two ways with us as coaches, our eye contact, our body language, our tone, our level of sleep that we've had. And yeah, like, and then just from a, like a zoomed out lens, it would be in those connections. Like, uh, I've been burned a few times in the industry just by making bad connections and I've really thrived in making the right connections. And when it comes down to it, those right connections, I'll just like highlight Dean Guido. He was a right connection. That's never let me down and it's compounded to so many other things. Uh, but just being able to like, if, if, you're coming across an opportunity to work at a gym or connect with a person or work with somebody or collaborate with somebody and something is like, mm, I don't feel good about myself when I'm in this space that matters because that is going to add up the compound effect of a poor decision is just as powerful as the compound effect of a good decision. And like, I always use that word is just like, it's such a, such a concept that what we do today matters so much for what happens a year from now. Mm-hmm. It's not like that butterfly. It's that, it's that butterfly analogy, right? Where they say the flap of a butterfly wings could potentially start a, tor- a tornado, right? Mm-hmm. What, what that analogy is, right? So it's so true and so good and powerful. And also, you know, I, I also would say too, that it goes back to trusting yourself and just trusting that every decision you're going to make, no matter what, whether it's good or bad, you will learn something from it. You will get something out of whatever the outcome is. So it's worth just going all in on you faster. Absolutely. I mean, like something that maybe people don't highlight in their own pursuits of business or career is that when you're looking at like what you can do today to impact change in the future, sometimes it's just making sure that you have taken care of yourself, like setting those boundaries that you do get relatively enough sleep. That's kind of like a a gray area for a lot of people because we do have to work really hard and we do have to put in a lot of effort, but getting maybe a restful sleep and having sort of a routine where we can like wind down from our day because if we look at the next day and how that starts, if it's influenced by these good habits, then the outcome is going to be better. If it's influenced by bad habits and we continue to build on that outcome, well, the long-term effect of that is not going to be good. It's, it's the best example is if somebody was in the industry and they, instead of facing their challenges head on, they just tried to numb all their challenges and it's just their trajectory on the industry will undoubtedly be different. And if they suddenly made a change, like I, I know locally, there's a lot of cool fitness professionals who have just started their so- sobriety journey. And I've seen their, they've basically 10 X their numbers. Like there's no denying that that helped them. And it's always going to be on an individual level. Like this isn't to be preachy. This is just saying that I have seen snapshots of people's careers where they changed just something in their day. And then it made a meaningful impact on every day that followed. And the outcomes were dramatic and it made it worthwhile for them and their lifestyle to sustain that change, no matter how difficult it no doubt is. Um, it, it made a big difference and that, that means more than some certifications that means more than some other things. So it's just like being able to look at it from a holistic level. It's very, very powerful. And 
that that is the difference maker for a lot of people. That's the difference between upgrading your home and not upgrading your home. So good. So powerful. I love that. Um, okay. So I'd love for you too to share a little bit about, well, first I just want to unpack the sobriety component too. I think it's really powerful when people share their own experience, their own journeys and not from a place of like, wow, this is so hard, but it really just deepens the connection with people when they can see that you're not just a teacher. Cause it's not just, you know, wah, wah, wah. Like you'll sound like Charlie Brown's mom. And you know, you really, when you open yourself up to share a little bit about your process, your journey, it's going to really add and deepen the rapport you have with your clients and reach them so that you can help them as opposed to, you know, standing out in the echo chamber of noise. Right. For sure. Yeah. I'd love for you to expand a little bit more on your, um, uh, you said that you train remotely and you train in person. What do you, are you focusing primarily online, primarily in person? What are your favorite things and how do you, how do you create such an awesome uh, connection when you're online? So I, I get joy from working with people in person. So no matter what happens with uh, the rest of my business, I'm always going to have in person as a part of the puzzle. Because that's, well, I mean, that's where I foster my like cueing skills, like to be able to have firsthand knowledge of the exercise, to be able to say, okay, like this person didn't quite latch onto that cue. And it's likely that someone through my remote space is going to relate to them. So maybe I should like stop just sticking to one cue for cueing a dead bug or for a squat or for bracing or breathing or whatever it may be. So that keeps me fresh, but from the sense of business, I kind of put a cap at it and kind of keep it to a minimal, like maybe uh, 15 sessions or less per week. And then when it comes to connection through remote sessions, uh, basically what I've been fortunate to have is like a strong friendship with my friend in the industry. His name is Alex McBrarity. And we basically rally with each other to find better ways to connect and to find more educational resources. And we're looking to, uh, like we, we look at different resources from like communication skills. Um, we look at, uh, speaking skills. We look at psychological stuff. Like he, he has his degree in psychology. So he's able to kind of like give me some insights as to what, how that education contributes to, uh, the, the training experience. And we're able to continue going through different resources to continue to build on our craft, Um, and then at the same time, I I learn about exercise science and I learn about different, uh, things with exercise, but at some point, like you kind of run out of new information, but if you become a really good communicator and really emotionally intelligent, and some of that comes with life experience, um, then you're able to have something that's very meaningful with people. Like you kind of become their like best friend in their phone and you got their back through everything and they know it. And it's just the body language that we have and the words that we use and the timing and the things we listen to, the things we document and pay attention to, like knowing a person's birthday knowing that they have a dog or two kids or that the kid has a baseball game on Thursday or all these different details. They, they really matter. They really add up. 
Yeah, it's good. And I also think too, that, you know, as fitness professionals, we don't realize it, but we often are the first line of defense for so many people in lots of different, different areas, both mentally and physically. Like I know for moms, for example, they'll probably see a personal trainer before they see a physical therapist or a pelvic floor physical therapist, because they just don't know what they don't know, but everyone knows that they need to prioritize their health. So they'll go to a fitness coach first. So we can oftentimes be the first line of defense, which is a very, it's a, we need to know our responsibility to that person. It's a Mm. very powerful position to be in. Yeah. Well, I mean, like in my experiences with noticing just how broad of a role it can be, that's, that's what's really uh, made me value the networking that I've done. Um, being able to know basically someone that works in every profession and being able to have had that uh, connection with them to know like, okay, I know three professionals in this space and this one will be the right match for this client. And then the next client might need help with like a, like a physiotherapist or a physical therapist, depending which country you're in. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll have like the right personality for them. Or I'll have like, when it comes to like, I've trained some new moms and sometimes they just need to hear the story from a new mom and not hear my story and not hear my wording. And so I've just, I've actually sought out specific podcast guests for specific clients. And then I've been like, okay, if you like their story, follow their social media, these are their services, feel free to buy them, work with them. I'm never going to hold you back from working with somebody that could help you have a happier life. And Then there's like something that I don't think I can emphasize enough is the mental health aspect of things. Mm -hmm. So for myself locally, I have a strong understanding of what services are available to people in my circle and like internationally, again, strong understanding. And when it comes to my podcast and how I brand myself, uh, the most likely uh, ad partner that I work with would probably be like a counseling service or a therapy service. Uh, because that's what I think would create the most meaningful change for someone in their life. And it's something I, I do practice what I preach in that capacity. And I've taken several counseling sessions to help me not only work through things in just my, my own life, but also things in my career space. And like, to be quite honest, one of the most helpful things in that experience that I did with my counselor is he he gave me the space to tell my story of my career um, in detail. It took us like an hour and a half and he gave me extra time too. So he was, he was a saint for that. But afterwards he said it back to me and it gave me like this. I have never had closure like that in my training career ever because this was an unbiased opinion. And he was like, like essentially he was very stunned with what I had been able to accomplish in a matter of a few years. And I needed that at that time. And it gave me the confidence that I needed to make my next steps. And that was such a powerful moment. Um, So I keep that as like a sort of like ammunition for anybody that needs it. And we don't know what we don't know. So as a trainer to have access to that stuff and to have those connections and to have firsthand experience as to how powerful that is, um, that's only going to move the needle forward. That's going to make you more powerful and confident. That's going to equip you to make your people happier to increase retention and to increase like scalability as to their referrals, everything like that. It just, it's, uh, 
it's underrated. It's a big thing. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. It's totally, I mean, we have to look at it from a holistic perspective and the mental, the mental components for people is just important. And I also think that it's powerful that it also is talked about in, in the, you know, the, the male community, because I feel like a lot of feelings don't get, you know, a lot of, you know, feeling experiences don't get talked about enough or they're not prioritized a lot for the, uh, for people who identify as males. Yeah. Well, I mean, something that might help someone if they're just, if they're just trying to get over some of the the obstacles that they're facing either in their mindset or just frame of mind. Um, when you see a colleague that is either discouraging you or doesn't like your call content or doesn't like how you show up in your career or is pointing out all your mistakes, just think to yourself, I don't owe you anything. Like if my colleague stands next to me and they don't like how I show up to the fitness space, I don't owe them anything. Like I don't, I'm not indebted to approve their approval. I don't need them to validate my parking pass. Um, they don't pay my bills. Yep. They don't regulate my, my activities. Like I don't owe them anything. And then if you're able to really like, remember that mm -hmm. it helps you focus on what's important because then we look at like who we are serving mm -hmm. our clients who are paying for us monthly or by session, we owe them something. Mm -hmm. We owe them like a strong level of connection. We owe them the ability to give them space to tell their story. And that's been something that's helped me a lot with strategy sessions is letting my client tell their story of the week. And then with that gives me the opportunity to define or figure out how I can best help them in that moment. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, just make sure that you're not letting people that are your colleagues and sometimes even friends just like get to your head because it's not going to help you with your goals. And like, it might just be momentary. It might just be a bad day where mm. something just sets you off, but yeah. you don't owe them anything. I love that. I love that. That's powerful advice, you know, and you also shared too the importance of listening. You talked about it without talking about it, but it's really, it's, it's powerful, active listening. And when someone feels heard, this is when they will feel loved. So I think it's just really powerful. So I want to make sure that I'm super mindful of your time. So thank you so much for pouring into us, into our community. I'd love for you to just share a little bit more about where I can send someone that they're interested in connecting with you, working with you, going deeper with you, what are some of the best places to send them? The quickest way to find me is on Instagram at Christian Little, or you can uh, find me on Substack, chrislittle.substack.com, or my website, invigoratetraining.com. But if, if all else fails, connect with me on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. If you listen to this, send me a message because I think that's really fun when you get to actually talk to people that listen to the episode. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Okay. And we'll be sure to link all of this up in the show notes. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Thank you for listening to the PT Profit Podcast. If you like this episode, chances are your friends will too. So it would be a huge service to us if you would please leave us a review and share with your friends on your social media channels. When you leave us a review, be sure to take a screenshot of it and email that screenshot to my team at info at bsimpsonfitness.com. And we'll send you a very special Instagram podcast that will show you 
how to create compelling content so that your ideal clients come to you and you go from wanting clients to a wait list of clients ready for your services. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.